welcome to the Madden America podcast, your source for science, psychiatry, and social justice. Hello, and welcome to the Madden the Family podcast. I'm Miranda Spencer, editor of Madden America's Parent Resources section. Today's topic is adolescent rage, understanding and dealing with teenagers and young adults who are angry and explosive. If they enter the mental health system, these youth might typically receive a psychiatric label of oppositional defiant disorder or perhaps bipolar disorder and be prescribed drugs such as neuroleptics. We're going to look at some alternatives to that path. Our guest today is Ben Furman, MD. Dr. Furman is a psychiatrist in Finland and an internationally renowned teacher of solutions-focused therapy. He is the founder of the child-friendly Kid Skills Method, which is based on the idea of converting children's problems into skills that children can learn with the help of their family and friends. Ben is one of our resident experts for the Parent Resources Pages uh, question and answer section, and his essay called Helping Children with Angry Outbursts is another one of the resources there. Welcome. Thank you very much. It will be a pleasure to talk with you. So you've written a lot about helping younger children who express explosive anger, tantrums and hitting and so on, and their parents and teachers, um, how, to, how to help them all cope better. But what about the older kids? I hear so many parents who say their teenager is defiant, aggressive, even violent to family members and to others. And these parents say that they're not only concerned about the disruption and why their daughter or son is so angry, but they feel they have to like walk on eggshells and they, they're even worried that their child may wind up in prison someday. So what is this all about? From your perspective, how does solutions-focused therapy look at such young people and what methods exist to break the cycle and change whatever underlies those types of behaviors? Yes, thank you. That is a very important question, particularly in this day and age when aggression, all kind, all forms of aggression seem to be so ubiquitous. And it's not only teenagers. There are a lot of adults who have aggression problems. There are even five-year-olds who have terrible tantrums. And so we really are looking for different kinds of tools to, to, to stop that kind of behavior. And you know, uh, the first thing that people usually do when somebody becomes angry is that you also become angry. And that's not a very good idea because it leads to escalation. So we have to think about other ways of approaching aggressive children, teenagers, and adults. Now, um, I would like to start with how to train parents to deal with uh, their aggressive kids. Uh, I just uh, spoke or I met uh, um, um, Dublin, from Dublin, Ireland, John Sherry, is his name, he's a, he's a social worker who teaches parents how to deal better with their kids, with teenagers. And what they have done in Ireland, which I think would be a very good idea to do in every country, is video um, tapes, short clips of videos where you can see the mother and a teenager. And the teenager, the mother says to the teenager, tonight you cannot go out with your friends because tonight we get some visitors to our family. And the teenager starts to yell and shout and starts to, uh, you cannot uh, 
decayed me, and why did you promise something like that, and you are an idiot. You know, verbal aggression uh, the teenager shows on the video towards uh, his mother. And everybody, all the parents, they can see this scene. And then you stop the video, and then you say, what would you do in this situation? How would you deal with a teenager who becomes, you know, start, goes into a rage? and start shouting and so on. And, and then a lot of the parents say, that's exactly like our child. Our daughter does exactly like that. Our son does exactly like that. We don't know what to do with him. Uh, he must have some kind of psychological problems that, we, that even the doctor said that he has, he has ADHD or he has this, this diagnosis or that diagnosis. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what diagnosis the child has because all we have to do is to think about what to do in such a situation. Well, then, when parents have discussed this, and they all have their own ideas and so on, you can see uh, how the recommendation, what, what recommendation is. And the recommendation is that you, you, the parent, the mother, looks at the child, uh, at the teenager, and says, uh, you are... Uh, you are uh, too emotional right now. We cannot talk. Uh, I will leave. I will leave. The mother doesn't tell the son to leave. Says, I will leave and we will continue to talk when you have gone down. So this we can see on the video, how the mother does this uh, to the child. And then you stop the video and then you talk with the parents. And say, what do you think about this? Some people will say, that would not work with my child. Others would say, well, we have to try it. And the parents would kind of start to get ideas of how they can behave differently, how they can learn not to accept verbal expression from their child, and the technique, maybe we could call it nonviolent resistance, if you like, like a kind of a Gandhi technique, where you are teaching the child, I'm not going to speak with you at all, if you are going to shout at me, and therefore I'm going to leave, and we can continue talking when you have come down. That's the method. That's the basic tool that all parents who have aggressive children have to learn. And I don't know how to teach that because it doesn't help. If I explain how to do it, you actually have to see it on the video, then you have to go home, and you have to try it with your out-of-control teenager uh, to find out for yourself how it works. Right. Now, what is this video that you're referencing? It's a, it's a teaching video that is part of a parent training program. There are hundreds and hundreds of parent training programs all around the world. I'm just referring to one of them. But all parent training programs that exist in the world, they all have some element, something similar, where, where the, the parents who take these training courses how to deal with it, how to become better at dealing with their out-of-control children, their behavioral problem children, or aggressive children. They all have to learn this. Right. And there are many ways of teaching it. I just mentioned this because I think showing a video is a very good way to teach it. Of course, you can also role-play. Okay, then I will play your child. I will be the angry child. Now I'm going to shout at you. I'm going to tell you you're an idiot. I'm going to tell you whatever obscenities come into my mind, and you will have to show me that you will not respond to me 
You will not say something like don't speak to me like that. You will not say that ordinary thing. You you can't you calm yourself down and you say, I am going to leave. This is not a good way to talk. We can talk in a minute when you have calmed down. Would that be a uh, would it be a similar situation um, if the child is being physically violent? Say he's smashing up uh, his room or something like that. Yeah, you you would have to start to add elements. I thought I would start there. I, think, I thought that would like a good good place to start is like when the child starts shouting at you, yelling at you, calling you names. How to deal with children who do that kind of thing. First, you have to learn this because these are escalation processes, meaning that if you allow the child to shout and yell at you, then it tends to become worse over time. So then, then the next step is that number they not only yell at you, but they actually start, you know, uh, throwing things or they start to uh, um, break things or they start to attack you physically or something. And then we have to think about the next step. And it is very important to tell children that this is not okay. We don't accept this kind of behavior. And um, the Israeli psychologist that, that I always like to mention because uh, his, his name is uh, Haim Omer. Haim Omer is a professor of psychology in Tel Aviv University, now retired, but wrote many books about how parents can become better at dealing with their uh, impossible children or aggressive children. And uh, his books are very, very popular in Central Europe, in Germany, in Austria, in Switzerland. Many countries have found these ideas very, very useful. I'm hoping that also on the other continent, uh, on the other continents of, of the globe, people would find these ideas useful. But the idea is that when parents are, uh, try to send a message to their child that you cannot, uh, you know, be physical, you cannot hit your mother, you cannot hit your brother, you are not allowed, you're, it's not okay to be physical. And if parents try to send that message to their child, first of all, they have to be very calm, so they need a lot of support from other people. So Haim um, Omer is saying that uh, parents need broader shoulders. This broader shoulders is a metaphor. And it means that the parents need other people like grandparents, uh, cousins, uh, aunties, uncles, neighbors, uh, football coaches, teachers. Uh, parents are advised to hook up with maybe other parents, typically the godfather, if there's a godmother, godfather family, aunties, uncles, anybody they can find who belong to their social network. And then this social network becomes active. And the social network, not only the parents alone, but the parents together with their social network, they send a message to the child. They actually write it down on a, it's called an announcement, a written announcement, where signed, not only by parents, but also by the other people in the social network. It's like a community action. If I use that word, maybe that makes sense. So the parents alone, they cannot do anything. They are, it's impossible. Um, they, they are in a, in, a, in a struggle with their child. The only thing that they can do is what I described previously, that they can, you know, 
I'm not going to listen to you yelling at me. We will talk in a minute when you have calmed yourself down. But if there is physical aggression, the, the, the social network or the community has to um, take a stance. I think in English you would say take a stance, and they will actually tell the, the, the youngster that this is not okay. You cannot hit your mother or you cannot be physically ag- aggressive for your, towards your own parents. And then, um, and this is not enough, then we also have to do something about it. So then somebody has to talk with that youngster. And maybe the best person is not the parents. Maybe it should be someone else. And it doesn't have to be a psychologist. And it doesn't have to be a psychiatrist or a social worker or a family worker. It can also be uh, an uncle. It can be a grandfather. It can be uh, whoever uh, has some kind of relationship with that young person. And then uh, if the person has been violent, I, I always recommend that the first thing to do is to apologize. Uh, then if I was speaking with a youngster, I would say, you know, I've heard that you have been uh, aggressive towards your mother and you know that's not okay. So uh, I think you owe an apology to your mother. Well, I don't know an apology. My mother is an idiot. You should know what she does. The teenager will start to rage. So it takes a little while to, to explain to them that uh, that uh, your mother may have her faults and she may also have to apologize to you. But, uh, but the violence is not acceptable and uh, it's very difficult to help anyone if, if uh, we don't do something about it and we can start with the problem. Right. And also, I think the child probably doesn't feel good about what's going on either. They're not happy that they're raging. What I'm hearing you say is first with parents, it starts with them. Start with yourself rather than the child. And also that, as the saying goes, it takes a village, this community approach. Yes, correct. Do you have an example or two of a real-life situation where you use the solutions-focused approach to get a child with a lot of rage, a teenager specifically, or a young adult, to um, to change and evolve in the situation to de-escalate? I'll tell you another story. This is an adult case that I have it uh, written down, but I, I thought it was such a wonderful story, so maybe it was telling. This was a this this teenager was fifty years old, 50 years old, five zero. So the, the guy was um, not anymore a teenager, but he was behaving like a, like a worst kind of a teenager. He was in a psychiatric hospital and uh, he had a, a reputation of uh, having tantrums, terrible tantrums. He would scream and shout and he wanted the police to come and he wanted the ambulance to come and the hospital informed that this patient uh, was, um, they described him as a person who has no impulse control whatsoever. Uh, So that was the reputation of the patient. It's unimportant what was the diagnosis, but the situation was this, that this this man was going to be removed from the psychiatric hospital, referred to a kind of a what do you call a residential treatment center, I would say, where where uh, patients who don't need to be in the hospital can live and um, have some kind of a life, a little bit more normal life than you would have in a, in a hospital. So the 
the, the administrator, the, the boss of the nursing home, no, but the, <laughs> I should say the residential treatment center met with this guy and said, you know, if you come to our, our residential treatment center, you cannot have any of those um, rage attacks. You cannot have any shouting. We, we don't tolerate any shouting here. We don't accept that kind of behavior that you are famous for, that you have done so many times, and that they, they in the hospital said that you have no impulse. So you have to learn to calm that down if you want to come here. And uh, so he's like, I, I, I cannot control myself. I'm not able to control myself. Said, well, we have to think about something that you can do in the moment when you start to get angry or when you start to get into rage. What can you do in that situation? The guy said, obviously, I don't know what to do. Nothing helps. He said, well, we have to think about something. And then we have to agree on something that you are going to do in the moment you, you go crazy like that. Uh, we prepare to we prepare for the next time. This, I think, is a very important principle uh, that the manager of the residential treatment center understood that you have to prepare for the next one. Mm. You may apologize for the previous one, but you have to start by saying, is it likely that this will happen again? Okay, let's start to prepare. Let's start to make a plan what to do next time when we start to get out of control. So the manager suggested all kinds of things, including taking a cold shower. Hmm. The guy was like, no, no, I, I'm not going to take any cold showers. Uh, I'm not interested. This is not a good idea. So the man said, okay, I can suggest something more to you, but you also may have some own ideas. What are your own ideas? I don't have any own ideas. Okay, so uh, let me let me think about something that might help you. Then the manager comes to the guy and says, I have an idea. Let, let, let's see what you think about it. Have you heard about the vagus, vagus nerve? So the manager asks him, have you heard about the vagus nerve? You know, popular. The concept vagus nerve, right, right now, because we have this polyvagal theory and so on. So then, uh, yes, you know, if you if you take an ice cube into your mouth and you swallow the cold water, the cold water will go down your esophagus and it will affect the vagus nerve and it will help you calm down even in the moment when your blood is boiling. So the guy suddenly says, okay, I, I, I'm willing to try that. For some reason, this method he accepted it. Uh, and so they started to prepare. Uh, there were a, a couple of freezers in the residential treatment center. So together, the patient and the manager uh, fixed certain shelves in the, in the freezers where they put you know, plastic bags filled with water to create ice cubes. And then there was a lot of work to be done, you know, to get the ice cubes right and to practice, you know, grabbing an ice cube at the moment, heat of the moon, in the heat of the moon. Mm -hmm. After that, the whole uh, residential treatment, the staff and all the other patients were told that he's going to use his uh, ice cubes when he starts to go mad. So now we are back to the community approach, aren't we? 
because this is not about you and your ice cream. This is about the whole community participating in a plan. And the plan is that when you start to go mad, we will remind you of your ice cubes. We will get out of the way so you can run to the freezer as quickly as you can so that you can grab the ice cubes. And so this was like a community approach. Everybody participating in uh, figuring out what you could do to calm yourself down when you lose control. Everybody was uh, prepared to remind him of the ice cubes when he would next time start to go crazy. Everybody had a, you know, a strategy. Everybody knew that if you see him starting to go wild or starting to escalate, uh, you, everybody knew they would say to him, get the ice cubes. You need the ice cubes. And uh, so the manager told this story and he, she said uh, the, the person had stayed one year, one year already at the residential treatment center, and there had been no incidents at all. So did he ever use the ice cube? Never. I never, never needed to use the ice cube. So it was more of a concept than any real science behind ice cubes helping you calm down? Yeah, the, the manager probably had heard the idea from somewhere, and I think it's been used, so it's not a totally um, off-the-wall idea. But it was never used because the community was now prepared and everybody was kind to him. He was not punished for his behavior. He, he felt that everybody wanted to help him. And the message was very clear. We don't accept that kind of behavior in this residential treatment center. And we believe you can control yourself. And if it's too difficult for you to control yourself, we will be there to help you. And we will think about some method. Now, of course, it doesn't have to be ice cubes. It can be whatever. It can be even, you know, tickling your neck or massaging your feet or or speaking to you silently or whispering secret passwords that will help you calm down. We can always find something that will uh, help you. And this is not only for aggression against other people. The exactly the same methods can be used for cutting. And you know how big problem cutting is now all over the world. Yes. We have uh, teenagers, they start cutting at the age of 12. And then they, they, at the age of 15, you know, they, are, they have scars all over legs and arms and everything. How to get rid of those scars, they will be for the rest of your life there unless you do skin craft, crafting or something. But uh, these are these impulse things. And people, people are very impulsive and they, they cut themselves or they attack someone or they break stuff or they start shouting or uh, whether they are smaller children whether they are teenagers, whether they are 50 years old, psychiatric, chronic psychiatric patients, even many, many people who have very um, intellectual disability uh, have aggressive behavior. And uh, another similar case was a guy who was 20 years old, intellectual disability guy in a, in a psychiatric hospital, he had been so aggressive, he attacked people for the mildest, smallest frustration, and he hit them. He, he, he was known to hit people, and this hitting had become so bad that they had to put him into a psychiatric hospital where they, of course, give drugs that 
that's not a very good solution for aggressive behavior because, you know, it doesn't solve the problem at all. It doesn't help the person to develop any kind of self-control. So then, um, very similar story. And uh, the, the, the 20-year-old uh, big guy, you know, like everybody's scared of him because he's so big. Actually, this young man was using a kind of a straight jacket in the hospital. You know, not the kind of straight jacket that you see in one flew over the cuckoo's nest. But there are also modern straight jackets where you can remove, you can move your hand, you can eat, and you can do stuff. But the movement is restricted, so you cannot reach out and you cannot hit people in the same way that you could. So this guy was wearing one of these uh, every day. And so the nurse went to him and said, you know, I can help you get out of this hospital. Or he didn't want to be there. He hated there to be there. He wanted to go home to his parents and he wanted to continue his um, shelter work. He was working in a shelter. And so the nurse said, and now you're going to hear exactly the same story again, just another version. He said, I'm, I can help you get out of here, which is what you want. Right? He said, how can you have, you have to learn a skill? Well, what, what, what skill do I need to learn? You have to learn that when you become mm, upset, I think that's the way, when you become upset, you cannot hit anyone. You have to do something else instead. What's it going to be? And I, I like these words. When you say, you cannot hit anyone, and I can help you. We have to find for you something else that you can do in those situations and you become upset and then you ask the person, so what could it be? What can you do to calm yourself down in that situation when you start to go into the rage? And this man, he says, I can go on my knees and I can shout, nurse, help. Wow. He said, I can go and show, I can go on my knees like this and I can shout, nurse, help. We are in a hospital, there are nurses, you can shout, nurse. So this nurse, this male nurse, he said, that sounds like a good idea. Let's see how it works in practice. Let's get you angry. Let's, let's test the idea. I want to see you do that. So let's imagine you are now angry. You are you're getting angry because something happened. So we have to pretend. So there's a kind of a pretend element. You might call it role play, of course. So there's a pretend element. Now we practice you getting angry. And then you have to show me that you can do this thing. And the thing was getting on your knees and shout, nurse, help. He practiced. He showed. He had to show every staff member, how he's going to, he even showed his doctor that I have, you know, been talking with my nurse and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do, go on my knees like this and I'm going to, uh, you know, shout nurse help. So the whole community is now participating again. Not only, this was not only between the nurse and the patient, it was, the whole community was participating, including the doctor. And then, uh, then comes the next question, and this is another very important part. 
analysis. So, what if we can see that there is a fire coming out of your eyes, meaning that we can see that you are getting angry. Uh, we can, you know, from your breathing, or from your hands, or from your eyes, or from your face, or from whatever signs there are. So what, what, what do you want us to do? What do you want? How, how do you want us to remind you of what you need to do? And then uh, he said, you can tell me, remember the hands. I said, okay. You want us to tell you, remember the hands? Yes, I want you to tell me, remember the hands. Okay, so what does that mean? It, it meant that when he went on his knees, he, and he shouted, uh, nurse, help. At the same time, he also, can I say, hugged himself. He, like, uh, put his arm, arms around himself to, to, to make sure he doesn't hit anyone. So he cuddled him. He cuddled himself. <laughs> Nurse, as you can see the picture of a big guy going on his knees and, uh, actually on one knee. He would go on one knee. And he would cuddle himself, and he would shout, nurse, help. And this was what he needed to learn to do. So everybody, the whole community, this is the psychiatric ward, of course, this case. But the parents, he had parents, uh, who couldn't take him home because he was aggressive at home also to his siblings. So this was also a big problem, that his aggressivity. And so he learned, because everybody was helping him. To, to practice the art of going down on your knees and shouting uh, nurse help and uh, everybody reminding him by saying, remember the hand. So this is actually a very simple idea, but it can be applied to all kinds of cases and it needs community, uh, community um, involvement. Right. No, that's really interesting because, it's, as you say, it's so across the board. A parent can do it. A child can do it. Anyone, any age. Um, one question I had, um, speaking of residential treatment and hospitals, is some parents say, you know, my kid is out of control and I'm really thinking that he or she needs to go you know, live in a residential treatment for a while. How can they, what can you say to them to convince them, you know, maybe they should still stay at home? Or what would you say to that? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think you are touching on a super important problem because this is not only a problem of, re of residential treatment centers. So what, what happens in our system, in our social work and in our psychiatry and in psychology is that uh, when parents uh, are at wit's end with their children because of aggressive behavior or verbal aggression or, or, or physical aggression or cutting or drugs or suicidal behavior, the parents don't know what to do. So then, obviously, they are going to seek help somewhere. And depending where they seek help, but in all over the world, it's very common that uh, the message that the parents get is that you are not capable of handling your child. Therefore, we will remove the child from you 
And we will put that child into an institution or into a foster home or into some other place because you are not capable of handling your difficult child. Now, obviously, the other alternative would be to help parents deal with their impossible offspring and to give them tools and help them think about what they can do and how they could uh, uh, invite and recruit their social network to become helpful for them so that they could take care of the problem rather than uh, show it to the society and uh, then the society is supposed to take care. Now, if the society was very good at taking care of that, that, that wouldn't be a big problem because then you would, you would uh, say, I cannot handle my child, take care of him. Then if somebody actually did it, it was able to take care of them, then maybe that would be a good solution. But what is true is the opposite. So when they then take the child into custody and they put the child into a foster family or they put the child into an institution, they cannot, they don't know how to do, they don't know any better. So then, uh, then we have an escalation where the, the problem just gets worse and worse and then you have to put into a more secure uh, institution and now we have to go into the next level of institution uh, security and uh, of course any family therapist in the world my original training is in family therapy so I would uh, recommend the other approach where we actually empower the parents to handle the situation not alone but uh, together with the support of their uh, extended family. Right. What I see a lot is parents saying that they do feel very alone, and that's some of the motivation to institutionalize their teenager is because perhaps they're divorced and their ex-spouse isn't supportive. Um, They don't know how to talk to their friends. So, yeah, the whole idea of getting that support group, I think, could not only help the parent help the child, but help the parent help themselves. Um, One last question. Um, Looking at the angry teenagers and angry young adults, um, I can just imagine myself at that age, if I was full of rage, you know, I don't want to collaborate with my parents and teachers. It makes me feel like a baby. Um, You know, I'm I'm resisting your authority. I don't want to work with you. And, you know, so how do you deal with the child who... um, just feels like I'm not working with my parents. They suck, you know. <laughs> and so maybe that's the reason why many uh, many professionals nowadays are are thinking that we don't even we don't have to force the kids to to come to us. For example, if you think about Chaim Omer, the, the psychology professor from Israel, mm-hmm. so his recommendation is uh, original. Let's say original recommendation because. Because nowadays, nowadays, also in Israel, they, they have started to work with the kids too. But, but the, the recommendation is that you start with the parents and you get them invited, you invite them to a session, you tell them about the idea that you parents will need help. You have to get broader shoulders. You have to uh, calm down. Uh, you have to learn to not respond your teenager and you have to send your teenager clear message in a written form that you don't accept this kind of behavior and you want your child to learn to calm himself down or or go to school or 
take care of whatever it is that you want. And then uh, this would be possible without the support of the social network. So one solution is that don't force the kids to any kind of therapy. If they don't want to come into any kind of therapy, we, we can we can work through the parents. We can empower the parents. And when I say empower the parents, I don't mean just empowering the parents. I mean empowering the social network, meaning grandparents and so on. Did you know that when parents are told that you might want to engage grandparents, they typically say, no, we don't want to bother the grandparents. The grandparents are sick. They are. Uh, they have their own problems. They have their illnesses. We, got, we haven't even told them that our child has this kind of problem. We, we keep it secret from uh, the, the, the extended family, so nobody knows that we are struggling with our teenager. So the first step in this kind of an approach is to start to um, break the ice, uh, break the resistance. Uh, because when you finally tell the grandparents that we have, we are in trouble with our teenagers, typically the grandparents, why haven't you told us before? We can talk to him. We are here for this. This is our grandchild. We want to help. Uh, we, we have been just waiting <laughs> for the call <laughs> that we can be helpful. So then it turns out that everybody wants to be helpful and everybody wants to do something to help. Uh, the parents who are at their wit's end with, with, the, with their child. And it's a very different approach from putting a psychiatric label on the child. It's very easy. Uh, certainly the child will meet the criteria of more than one psychiatric disturbance. It's very easy to put psychiatric. It's very easy to put the kids on the medication. It's very easy to take the child into custody. It's very easy to write a referral to a to an institution where they are not any better at helping the kids as as, as, as the parents would be with some support and some advice and some suggestions of how to how to work um, how to how to speak to your uh, teenager. I had one one teenager. The parents came to me many years ago. I will always remember that case, and they said that our child is impossible, he doesn't go to school, he doesn't go to work, he is like, I don't remember the age, maybe 17 or 18 or something, and uh, we want him to see a psychiatrist, and, and but he refuses to see a psychiatrist, what to do? And they were almost like suggesting, could I dress up like a pizza delivery man and visit their home and get get him to talk to me. I said, I, I, I don't think that would work. But, uh, but I said, tell me about him. Sit down. I want to I wanna hear everything about him. What is his talent? What do you love about him? What good qualities does he have? And what are you worried about? And so on. And I said, uh, tell me all this information and I will write him a letter. Uh, you know, this was many years ago, but there were already computers and I was sitting probably for half an hour just typing a letter to the, to the young man where I would say, ah, I heard from your parents that they love you very much and they care about you and they, they want to help you and they're worried about you and they told me that you are talented in this and you are talented in that. And then I said to the parents, they give this letter to him, let's see. And in the end of the letter, I, of course, Maybe that's obvious. I said, your parents are asking me for advice on how they can be helpful to you. And I thought I 
better not give them advice before I've talked to you and heard your opinion and your side of the story. I said, which I thought was an obvious kind of an uh, intervention. And then uh, later the parents uh, contacted me and they said uh, they didn't, they never gave the letter to the boy. My letter. I was almost like offended. You didn't give my letter. Why didn't you give? I used half an hour to write that letter. They said, we read your letter many times and we learned from your letter how to talk with him. Wow. So uh, also uh, young people who are uh, who have difficulties in controlling their age, they also need some respect, some caring. They know, they should know that we care and we want to help them. And there are ways and they could they could uh, learn, find out about these ways. And uh, we, we can help people control their, whether they are 50 years old or five years old. It actually doesn't matter. Well, we have to wrap up now. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Listeners who want to learn more about kids' skills can watch the video on Madden America's Parent Resources page at www.maddenamerica.com slash parents or download the Kids' Skills app at www.kidsskillsapp.com. I'm Miranda Spencer, and this has been Mad in the Family. So I'd just like to thank Miranda and Ben for that interview and also to thank the people at Watchier Writers Club Providence, Rhode Island for assistance with the interview recording. And as always, thank you so much for listening and until next time, take care. Thank you for listening to the Madden America podcast. Visit maddenamerica.com for more news, views and updates. 